When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good evening, and welcome to the show. Got quite a bit to talk about, and... You know, realistically, this was going to focus more on the fantasy aspect for waiver wire pickups, but man, the news has gotten so juicy this evening that got to talk about the world of sports because life just got a whole lot more interesting. So, the Le'Veon Bell saga in Pittsburgh has now come to a close. Le'Veon Bell has completed his heel turn and is not going to report at all for the 2018 NFL season. Obviously, no one saw this one coming, not even Le'Veon and his people, because no one did their homework. Apparently, in the, within the CBA, and this was only discovered about a week ago, uh, uh, actually less than a week ago, because the NFL only came down with the decision on Wednesday, the language in the collective bargaining agreement between the NFL owners and players states that players can be tagged two times under the franchise tag and that the third time would automatically grant them quarterback status. Meaning, if you tag a player for the third time, they automatically uh, would be making an average of the top five quarterbacks in the league. And given the fact that it's a quarterback-driven league, that price tag runs north of 24 to $25 million, given the guaranteed money uh, being allocated to quarterbacks these days, uh, especially with that Matthew Stafford joke of a contract. So, obviously, the Steelers aren't going to do that, but what everyone had assumed was that because Le'Veon wasn't going to report that the franchise tender the Steelers offered him would not actually count against them and that they could offer the franchise tag again and tag him again, the NFL said no. But, again, this is a failure on both sides because I'll be perfectly honest with you. If I'm the Steelers, I screwed this one up royally because if I understood the CBA, and clearly they did not because they thought that they were going to be able to franchise tag him and wait out Le'Veon. Le'Veon did not know what he was doing either, neither did his agent, because they would have never even intimated that he might return, because Le'Veon kept uh, sticking one foot in and one foot out, one foot in and one foot out this entire process, because we heard from ESPN that week seven he was planning to return during the bye week. I don't think ESPN made that up. Jeremy Fowler is a good reporter. I think Le'Veon's people at the time, understanding the CBA, looked at it and said, okay, the lockout can end here because it's a bye week, so might as well collect the game check uh, for the bye week and, you know, report uh, right before the bye week 
just before game time. So you know the Steelers uh, have no choice but to activate, uh, uh, but to activate you uh, to put you on the roster. But they can't actually play you in the game. So you get a free game check week for week six for not playing. But you know it didn't work out that way. Le'Veon kept stringing this along. Reports say that Le'Veon gained some weight while he was partying down in Miami. That South Beach life can do that to you. You know, I wouldn't be like spend time in South Beach if I actually had to get myself in physical uh, top condition. There's there's no way. So again, Le'Veon did not handle this correctly. The Steelers did not handle this correctly. However, the Steelers are a multi-billion-dollar organization. Thanks to the way NFL teams are evaluated now by financial groups. Le'Veon Bell, as talented as a back he is, is only going to be able to make so much money. The fact of the matter is, Le'Veon can't afford to be given up $14 million a year. Basic math alone tells you that you cannot make that money up no matter how much guaranteed money you're, you're allowed to make. I mean, yes, could he get hurt? Yes, they have insurance policies for that. Literally, they have insurance policies for your net worth in case of injury. Like, this was an ego thing from Labia, and I get it. I, I completely get it. He's not getting paid fair market value based off of what he does in his field of work compared to wide receivers because he's taking much more of a pounding, and he's receiving the ball just as much as some of the top receivers in the game. That's why he's pissed. I get it. He's he's one man trying to upset the entire mountain. But the problem is, he's just one man. The union wasn't helping him on this side. The union was just like, okay, do your thing. But the union was not going to go toe-to-toe in a war with the owners over just Le'Veon Bell. They wanted to go over it over the, the contents of the CBA, but the NFL... Basically, kind of beat him to the punch. He said, "Yeah, you're right. It's 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 not a case where uh, a team can just keep franchise tagging you. That's why that third year provision's there, and the Steelers would be at that third provision next year, uh, and not the year after if Le'Veon didn't report. That's why the NFL set it up this way. But you know, no one prepared at all for this reality, and the reality situation is that Le'Veon Bell." miss an entire NFL season over what amounts to not getting guaranteed money for a second year. Because the Steelers can say what they want about the contract they offer. It was a one-year deal because the money wasn't guaranteed after the first year. Le'Veon didn't want that. He wanted to actually have financial security. Completely get it. He just went about it the entire wrong way. And so now, Le'Veon Bell, instead of coming across more sympathetic, he come across as, again, a pro wrestler making a heel turn, and you got good old JR saying, No, no, don't do this! Oh, son of a bitch! Enough is enough! I mean, again, the talk radio is all piling on Le'Veon for being selfish. And they have a point. Realistically, if you look at it, Le'Veon doesn't have much of a leg to stand on other than saying the Steelers were being cheap. But 
as an NFL organization, that's their right. Le'Veon, if he and his agent were truly properly prepared and understood the CBA, they could have pointed to that CBA language and argued with the Steelers that you're better off trading me and getting some value because I can afford to sit out the entire year and see if the Steelers call his bluff. The Steelers just figured, you know, Le'Veon's like pitching up a fit, but you know he'll be back into the season eventually and we'll survive a month. The, the Steelers had no idea that this was going to go on to this extent. Like, Le'Veon and his folks did not do a proper job of selling the fear factor to the Steelers. Because the way the Steelers kind of looked at it was, you know, we got James Conner here for 750000 He looks good enough. Let's ride it. And once James Conner started performing, they're like, okay, yeah, there's a drop-off. I mean, the folks trying to say that they're better off without, without Le'Veon and playing James Conner, they're idiots. Because, again, the NFL outlawed defense in 2018. But, again, because of the rule changes, it helps guys like James Conner, who are very talented, not as talented as a Le'Veon Bell, but guess what? They are talented and athletic, and that's all you really need in today's NFL. It is devaluing the value of certain players because, guess what? You can get replacement players because guys can't jam you at the line of scrimmage anymore like they used to. There are ways to get, get around it. And that's just a fact of the matter. So for all the posturing Le'Veon Bell's going to do, I'm not sure at this point by sitting out the entire year if he just didn't tell everyone and their mother that he's in the, in the business for himself. Winning a championship really just doesn't mean all that much to him. And, and, you know, you could could say what you want, but at the end of the day, it's just one of those situations where you just want to say, and, you know, just, I mean, honestly, it's just one of those where Le'Veon is trying to pitch this as a freedom fight song, and not a single person believes him because guess what? Le'Veon's doing this for money, his money. He's not doing it for the money of people to come after him. I mean, he's trying to spin it that way, but, like, it's a poor spin job at the very end. Because, again, if he was more vocal about this up front, saying how he felt what he felt from the outset, people would have sided with him a little bit more. They would have said, you're an idiot. But, like, he still would have had supporters. This just came across as wishy-washy, and then the NFL gave him an out when he probably realized that, he wasn't quite in full football shape. So Le'Veon decided to take his ball, go home, and, you know, he's got his money, he's got his million, so he can survive the year without a paycheck. It's not a great plan because, again, anyone can tell you that compound investing and the time value money that giving up $14 million really amounts to, if in future dollars, you're, you're, you're looking at it properly invested, you could be upwards of... Uh, 19 to 20, uh, 23 million, depending on uh, how he can grow his money over the next uh, uh, 20, 30 years. Again, if, you know, NFL players like properly invested money, like, you know, other multimillionaires do. Not likely, but, you know, it's always possible. So that's where we are. We got the Steelers now officially having to move on from Le'Veon Bell. I think the Steelers had already prepared themselves for this 
given the fact that the number of times Le'Veon had stood him up on proposed dates that he was going to return. So I think the Steelers are looking to move past uh, the media bombarding him with questions on, on the matter. Now, the question that should be asked, though, is was it worth it for the Steelers to play hardball and not give themselves the best chance of winning a title? Because if Le'Veon Bell and James Conner were actually playing together as a tandem, it would be the most devastating combo in the league, without question. It's not even close between the way those two are operating. Not even close. It would put the Saints combo of Kamara and Mark Ingram to shame. It would not even be uh, close at all. So again, the Steelers sacrificing potential uh, success this year for a long-term goal of anyone else that complains about contracts will be getting will be given the exact same treatment as Le'Veon and that they will be shown the door. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's hard to fault the logic because Le'Veon just gave up $14 million and the Steelers, guess what? They didn't have to pay it because he didn't sign the contract. Sometimes those things uh, tend to work out for you. But uh, moving on. So uh, keep it on the NFL agenda. The upcoming Monday night football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the St. Louis Rams. Oh, jeez. I'm saying St. Louis. Uh, I mean Los Angeles Rams. I will. It will still take me a while to get used to saying Los Angeles. Will not be held in Mexico City due to Basically, an absolute piss-poor field at the Stadium Azteca in Mexico City. Uh, you know, the Stadium Azteca, uh, it is a soccer stadium. And soccer stadiums are built in an entirely different way than football stadiums. They have to be. Because soccer stadiums, the field has to be rolled in order for the soccer ball to travel as smoothly as possible over field. So that's why you'd see uh, in soccer matches... If they're played on an NFL field, it's atrocious because the ball can barely move because the ball has to be able to roll in a certain way. The problem is, if you format it for a soccer stadium and you try to play football on it, because of the field being rolled, the actual field conditions itself tends to sink because it's it's a it's a it's a much tighter grass. So like the, your cleats just sink to the ground. So it uh, you have to be much lighter. Uh, uh, in terms of cleats uh, for soccer players than you would for NFL players when you have all those shoulder pads and everything, you just kind of sink to the ground. So it chews up the field even worse than before. So there's no way they could have played that game without someone getting some type of knee injury because of the fact that you can't properly uh, plant your legs playing football on a soccer stadium. It it just doesn't work that way. Uh, You know, and you can change... Yeah, change it away from being natural grass or whatever you want, but you know some of these stadiums. If you're uh, if you're using natural grass, it's you're going to run into the same issue, and that's what happened in Mexico City. The, the field was chewed up from soccer matches, and there was no way they could get that field in proper enough condition to play an NFL game in. And the union stepped in, and the players stepped in and said, "No, we're not going to play in these types of conditions. We're going to get ourselves hurt." We we got we have to preserve our bodies. We're gonna respectfully pull ourselves out of the game 
if you keep this game in Mexico City, which forced the NFL's hand into considering alternative options, and the alternative option was moving them back to L- the game back to L.A. and let it be a true home game for the Rams. You know, it, 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 to me, it's a win-win because they got even more attention on the game now than before because people realize that it's not going to be in Mexico City. Plus, you have the folks that were traveling to Mexico City being pissed off, so you got intrigue there. So some folks are going to get refunded. Some folks are still going to go to the game and have the tickets honored in L.A. But uh, it's a very interesting dynamic of seeing how uh, a few days of uh, uh, article mentions on it and this turned into a full-scale story on the field conditions in Mexico City. So it's unfortunate for Mexico just because of how they're trying to grow the sport there, but you can't have a field in that shoddy of a condition because someone's going to get hurt, and you don't want to take that possibility if there's any sort of way you can prevent uh, uh, such an injury from occurring in the first place. All right, then. So in terms of NFL fantasy talk, I'm not going to talk about waiver wires so much today so much as players that are anchors on your team that you can feel free to drop or just bury on your bench. But honestly, in so many leagues that where you're really short on bench spots, you know, it's time to cut the cord on some of these guys. So I'm going to run them down and you'll know why because you probably have some on your roster and it's just time to cut bait. So without much further ado, unless your league is so shallow for talent that you have to keep whiffing with these guys, but more often than not, there have got to be options available. So first off, we're going to talk Doug Baldwin of the Seahawks. Baldwin said it from the outset that his knee was going to be less than 100% this year, and he was not lying. Uh, he basically told you where he was. The, the issue with Baldwin is that the knee is bothering him. He can't uh, evade people at the line of scrimmage. It's hard for him to shake defenders if they jam him, and he can't get in the end zone. Uh, when it gets tight and compact, he can't lose a guy because he doesn't have any leg speed. He like That knee is jacked up. Now, I don't know if this is going to turn into a Jordy Nelson situation where Jordy Nelson may very well retire. Uh, there, there's a rumor going around that Jordy Nelson is about to announce his retirement at some point this week because he can't play anymore after that knee injury. I don't know if Doug Baldwin's going to go to that severe of an extent, but it's a legitimate concern now because he is not recovering nearly as well from that knee surgery as the Seahawks thought he might. And I'm sure Baldwin's disappointed as well, but he cannot put up the production. I mean, he's barely a wide receiver three. I would put him as a wide receiver four, and that makes him droppable in pretty much every format unless it's a 14 or 16-man league. So it's just that simple. The next guy up is Michael Crabtree. Now, the Crabman has had a number of productive years, but the one bugaboo he's had throughout his entire NFL career is that he drops too many damn passes. Michael Crabtree will probably get everyone in Baltimore fired from Jim Harbaugh to the assistant coaches because he keeps killing drives dropping balls. Now, I will never say that Joe Flacco is lighting the world on fire, but... Some of the struggles Flacco's had this year is because of the number of drops Crabtree has had. 
he is uh, he is already leading the league in drops. So he's he's already in the teens in terms of drops this year. But the fact of the matter is, he's on pace for close to thirty drops uh, this season. You know, it's a, it's incomprehensible that he could be that high in drop passes. But here we are. You know, this is getting to a very scary place where Michael Crabtree may be playing for his job next season if he can't get it together because he can't keep dropping so many passes because his skill set is diminishing. He's getting older. And, I mean, teams can't have a drop-prone uh, wide receiver, uh, especially in uh, as he's approaching his 30s. It's just not going to work. So uh, Crabtree has got to clean that uh, that part of his game up. Otherwise, he's going to be left on the side of the road. And he's a hell of a receiver, great route runner. But the hands are very questionable at the moment. I mean, there's no getting around it. Michael Crabtree drops too many damn passes. And he's probably killing your fantasy team. Next guy up, Lamar Miller. I mean, talk about the most uninspiring running back you will ever have. I mean, Lamar Miller is the king of the less than 100 yards, even though he got over 20 touches uh, brigade. You know, Lamar Miller just oozes mediocrity I mean he gets he got volume in uh, Miami you know didn't work out you know and part of it was uh, Miami didn't give him quite as much volume as he gets in Houston but at the same time people thought yeah if you put Lamar Miller in Houston and you give him the volume he's gonna be a 14 to 1600 yard back easily and guess what it's not even close Lamar Miller's barely on track to get close to 1,000. I mean, his yards per carry keep dropping each year. He's been under four yards a carry for three years running now. It's embarrassing. And the fact of the matter is, Alfred Blue is just as serviceable and cheaper. You know, I was actually surprised that Lamar Miller didn't get cut this year. The only reason why I think Lamar Miller didn't get cut is the fact that Donta Foreman... uh, had the Achilles injury last year and still wasn't fully recovered. And he still, uh, you know, looks like he's he's off going to be off the pup list, but, uh, you know, the, the physically unable to perform list. But the fact of the matter is, is that Foreman is coming in for this stretch run of games. I wouldn't be shocked if Lamar Miller gets dropped entirely in favor of a tandem of Foreman and Blue uh, at some point. I mean, again, this all depends on Foreman actually getting healthy, which is a big if because it's a it's an Achilles injury. So, you know, got to bear that in mind. But Lamar Miller just is so bad right now. Even though he had one notable game, it, it, that's usually the case with Lamar Miller. He has one notable game where he reminds you, yeah, he can run for 130 yards and uh, get a couple of touchdowns. And then he'll go back-to-back games like the past two weeks and get under 40 yards rushing. It's infuriating. And, you know, it's... He just doesn't get yards after contact. There's just like, as soon as he gets touched, it goes down like a rock. So, again, not someone to be keeping on your roster uh, and just giving you abject frustration. Just cut the cord. It's like, I know you gave him a high draft pick, but cut the cord. It's it, it's a pretty much a one where you could stick a fork in him. And we'll talk about Jarvis Landry. You know, I was caught off guard by this one 
one of the most because of the fact that the amount of talking he did in hard knocks in the wide receiver room, you thought for sure this guy was going to light the world on fire this year with how committed he was to the Browns and establishing a new culture and identity, and it's gone absolutely nowhere. Uh, you know, I, I would say Jarvis Landry was one of the biggest disappointments in the fantasy season just because, you know, he gets targeted. He's not open all that often. Uh, I mean, he's pretty well covered. I don't know if it's the route running or what the issue is, uh, you know, because Ryan Tannehill was not a good quarterback, and he's performing even worse under Tyrod Taylor, who's a comparable quarterback, and Baker Mayfield, who's showing that he actually has signs that he could be a good quarterback in this uh, league. I mean, I'm not sure if he he's going to be an elite QB, but he's, he's shown potential that he could be a good to very good quarterback for a number of years just because of his moxie and the way he's, he's willing to attack defenses. It's just that Jarvis Landry is not putting up the goods. I mean, he talked a good game during hard knocks, but in terms of actual regular season action and performance, he, it's not like he's not getting targeted by the offense. He's just not getting himself in the position enough to be open enough. Uh, I mean, a lot of these are contested balls. So, uh, you know, he's got to beat his man, and he, he has not shown that he can do it. So that's uh, where I am with uh, some of these uh, players that you can move on from just to spare yourself additional pain on your fantasy season. Now, my final note I want to get into because this is a developing story. The Golden State Warriors have suspended Draymond Green tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. Now, on the face of it, you know, the Atlanta Hawks suck. And, you know, even without Steph Curry and Draymond, they'll be able to roll the Hawks easily. The fact of the matter is, is that Draymond is being suspended one game for contra- uh, conduct detrimental to the team. So, basically, the what happened the other night, the Warriors suffered an overtime loss to the Clippers, and, you know, in the game itself, uh, Draymond grabbed the rebound with under six seconds left. He tries to dribble the ball up the court. The Clippers managed to knock the ball away. What basically happened there was, you know, Draymond tried to make the play on his own. didn't work out. But what you see in the clip is that Durant's next to Draymond. He's clapping for the ball. Draymond wait, uh, looks him off and drives down the court. Durant, after, because this wasn't to lose the game. They still had overtime to play through. During the break heading into overtime, Durant confronts Draymond about why he didn't give him the damn ball, and Draymond took umbrage with it about the tone that Durant took with him and flat out just escalated the situation to the point where, you know, he called him a bitch. And, you know, uh... You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't say that to a grown-ass man. You know, I don't understand what the context of how the argument went down, and no no one really does. But, like, what you can sense is that there were some things going on with Golden State with relation to Kevin Durant's impending free agency, because there's no way that that interaction should have escalated to the extent that it did. Uh, the fact that uh, Draymond felt the need to call out Durant the way that he did so publicly uh, at the bench, and then after the game when they lose in overtime, because again you have a situation where Boogie Cousins of all people is trying to de-escalate the situation and get guys focused. 
I mean, when Boogie Cousins is the crisis negotiator, you know things are in trouble. But, um, you know, it's a case where they were not focused in that overtime period. They lose the game, so that compounds the problem. And then after the game, uh, you know, Draymond and Durant go at it further, and Draymond questions Durant's commitment to the team because of his pending free agency. And, you know, that's where things get a little murky because you got a situation where Clay, uh, Clay Thompson and uh, Kevin Durant are the two big, uh, biggest free agents on the market. I mean, obviously Durant is number one overall, but Clay is not too far off at number two. It's like people underestimate uh, Clay Thompson's ability. Yeah, I mean, Clay could be a star anywhere. I'd love to have Clay on the Knicks, but be that as it may, the Warriors are presently constituted. There's not a team in the NBA that can beat them. The only team in the NBA that can beat the Warriors are the Warriors if they implode. But, you know, this could be an isolated incident. But the fact that the Warriors management went to the degree to suspend Draymond Green shows the level of sensitivity that they are paying attention to Kevin Durant's free agency. So no matter what Draymond may feel about how Kevin Durant is not respecting him or other Warriors players on the roster that have been there longer, it doesn't matter. Decisions already been made. So Draymond has to come to realize that, you know, the decision's been made by management that protecting Kevin Durant is tantamount to winning a title. They look at it as long-term, it's better for them to keep Kevin Durant than it is to win a title this year. So regardless of the team cohesion, they are looking to keep Kevin Durant happy. So a situation like this where clearly... Uh, Durant and Draymond were not on the same page and got into a very heated argument, you know, that is going to be scaring the bejesus out of the Warriors because they're moving to a new arena next year. They are going to start a new generation of Warriors fans, and the whole plan of this is to keep Clay and Durant together uh, with this roster, with uh, Steph. Everyone else, I think, are negligible. I, I, I honestly think Warriors management are prepared to lose some of these other guys. So Draymond being chief among them, if it means that they can keep a nucleus of Clay, Steph, and Durant. And it's just that simple. So Draymond has to understand that no, no matter what uh, is right or wrong in this scenario, he's going to lose this fight regardless. Durant's got the power in his negotiation because Durant can leave. Warriors management will do everything in their power to stop that from happening. So Draymond has to fall in line and keep the, keep the peace with Durant. Otherwise, he risks uh, being moved off into a different bundle, uh, moved off into a different bundle trade with other teams. And, you know, he could be in an entirely different situation. Yeah, he can make money on another team, uh, substantial money with getting a max contract, but he'll never be as happy as he is with the Warriors because, A, you get to win, and Draymond is a very prideful guy that likes to talk a lot of trash. And if he's losing, he is not happy. So this is the best spot for him to be in the NBA. So I suggest that he swallow his pride and just man up and give the apology because, again, 
no grown ass man wants to be called the B word and, you know, be told, uh, told that by another man, uh, that supposedly is his coworker. But, you know, if we're talking about the standing of things, it's not, uh, the pecking order heavily skews in Durant's favor instead of Draymond. Dray- Draymond may be the emotional soul of the team, but in terms of a uh, number standpoint, uh, this data is clear that Durant is still the guy that they have to hold on to moving forward if they want to keep this dynasty moving. So, like I said, this story has potential to ripple down the road. So, uh, the biggest question has to be, where does Golden State go from here? Because you suspend Draymond for one game. What happens if he has another outpost uh, uh, the rest of the season? That makes it a very tricky, tricky game. So, that's, uh, I mean, and by game, I mean the game of trying to keep the dynasty going. Because, yes, winning the title is number one priority, supposedly. But realistically, for Warriors management, the priority is keeping Durant in uh, in uh, Golden State and away from any other locations that could hurt him. As well as Clay, keeping Clay Thompson away from the Lakers. Because... Don't think for a second that the Lakers don't have their eye on Klay Thompson to pair with LeBron, so that gives him the dynamic outside shooter LeBron is craving for right now. So, uh, that will do it for the show tonight. Uh, Hopefully you got some useful value out of it, and uh, keep tuned because uh, we got more sports on tap this week, so things should be getting a lot more interesting as we head into uh, the Thanksgiving holiday next week. So, have a good one, folks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.